One. Two-day rally, quad witch expiration, $4 trillion of options coming off the board. GM and Ford, Stellantis, Strike. A lot going on here on this Friday. Spy X Dividend, we'll talk about this all with Mitch and Dennis. Also, CC Legator coming on at 8.35 to give us his opinion on this low volatility. It's Friday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis did. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Starting out a little bit in the green here this morning. We're up a couple handles at 45.57. Uh, took out yesterday's high, but back below it now. Haven't even went unchanged on the session, so the bulls are still in control. Uh, the buck messing with that 105 level. That's down $0.08 cents at 104.97. Uh, bonds down a little over half a point. Uh, looking very close to the low of the move. And uh, got to talk about crude. Over 90 bucks, up uh, 28 cents at 90.44. Uh, gold up fractionally, same thing with silver. Let's bring in Triple D. And Triple D, explain to everybody why the SPY is not down a buck 22. Yeah, so X dividend here today. SPY went X dividend overnight. The adjusted close is 448.78. If your system's not adjusting it, call them, tell them to adjust it because the SPY is actually up here. And this day, maybe I'm seeing the most rotation that I have seen all month. There is so much rotation here today. You have a lot of value stocks trading significantly higher. And then you've got a chip wreck happening here. You've got a number of stocks. Obviously, Adobe did get Oracle. We talked about that on the closing print with Joel yesterday. I was worried that the expectations were too high going in. That is indeed the case. Adobe is now trading down 20 points here in the pre-market. So getting ugly. There's a lot of stories to talk about here. We're going to bring Money Mitch in here. But obviously, you know, the big story, too, we got to talk about as well. We're going to get to all this stuff. Money Mitch, how are you? Doing great. Ready to get after this market, of course. Uh, I will let you guys know I finally got out of arm. I, I'm out. I traded it on the first day. So what did you do? So shot. let's talk about your arm trade. Let's talk arm right off the bat because yeah, this is yeah, obviously yeah, story stock. T yeah, talk I, about your arm trade. One, let's do. How it. do you set it up technically? Because it's pretty much all you can trade off with arm because it's with one day here. So talk about you know what you're looking here at. It is. Set up this trade for us because I never trade these IPOs. Boom. Well, here it is, guys. It's exactly how I traded it here. So okay. this is on a 15 minute chart. Okay, so we're gonna look back at how I was looking at it. So the idea was not to trade it, of course, out the opening gates. And just to kind of mention, of course, this debuted at $51 per share. A remarkable move right out the gates. It gave him a little spike here uh, towards a high of 61.98. That was really kind of like the target I was targeting. So mm -hmm. just trying to get some good risk to reward. As it was coming down here, the key for me is to see kind of three bottoming attempts and then an attempt coming with a reversal style candle, which is this bullish engulfing candle. So as it started coming down on this wick here, 
that's where I got my first entry. And then so as show it came, us where you buy it first. Yeah, as it, as it comes down towards this 59, as it makes a third support attempt here. So I'll draw a rectangle here so you guys can see where it started to make that third attempt. So you can see here, first bounce, second bounce, third bounce. And as it was coming through here, that's where I got my first starter. Then I added as it turned around here at 58.50s as it pulled back. So it did a little bit of a spike here, a quick pullback to 58.50s. I actually got a nice fill there at 58.40s and then it took it off right there back towards the 60. The idea here always is going to be trying to get it back here towards the high of the day. That's where I sold majority of the position and then just started piecing out. And I just pieced out the last position today because why? It started breaking down prior resistance yeah. and I wanted them to continue to act as support. So if we zoom back, this one didn't do that bad. As you went through it, you never went back through that 62. Then this 66 kind of 30 area, we just broke it this morning. And as, as we just broke it, look, you guys can see my cell right there. Right there is my cell, that little line right there. As soon as it broke it, I said, you know what? I'm out of this thing. I'll take my money and run. Not it's a bad a nice little game there. It's you a nice what? trade. And I mean, if your system works for you, obviously it works well. I don't like trading them off the back because they're just too volatile for me. Um, you know, one thing mm -hmm. too, and I talk about this all the time, if you're just trading one stock, just one stock, I mean, you can yep. trade some stuff that's probably a bit more aggressive, meaning that, and I'm not saying put all your account in there. I'm just saying, if you're just trading one stock, you don't, you can babysit it. You can really watch it. You can just, you know, like I'm always got multiple positions on. So something like arm, it's time consuming. It's moving so much that I have to focus on that stock in order to trade it. And then I feel like I miss opportunities elsewhere. So, I mean, it all depends on your style, but I think Money Mitch, you know, has a style here that's obviously working for him. Um, so, and it's a nice technical, it's a nice technical breakdown that you just did on that. So, I mean, every trader has different styles and if you can trade IPOs and you can make money on them, nice trade Money Mitch. You know what? I thought it was really tame price action in that yesterday. I mean, yeah. you know, they opened it. Uh, you know, we had higher expectations because of, you know, way some of these other IPO trades, but I mean, priced at 51, I think the market makers did a good job. I mean, just the fact that we had such high expectations, I thought it was going to maybe trade up to 80. Dennis, you mentioned 70. Well, that's what the uh, after hours high was. So I don't know. I think the market makers did uh, 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 you know, a real good job with it. It wasn't like totally out of control. Pretty big reversal now off that 70 but uh, a lot of well, different it didn't even rules. come close to 70 i just threw out a number i mean i was it, no it did it, it did in the, the after hours it did after it hit hours. 70 in the after hours yeah yeah, oh. yeah that's where i looked back wow. and i was like man i should have been on the computer around seven or eight because i think that's wow. when it got there up up there towards that nice move let's take a look i, I always want to learn a little bit more about this situation arm is an amazing situation but the quad witch arrival today Joel and I and I and I never do well on these days. I, I I don't know how to find the edge in the quad witch. What should we be looking for? Today? It's really more the buildup, really the buildup going into it than anything else, right? Because the uh, you know the the jockeying for position. I I wasn't here last week, but uh, the rollover the week before uh, gives some volatility, and you had that if they they roll over from the contracts. 
I think that you know the biggest thing is the the opening uh, imbalances and that uh, you know way to catch the extremes. Now they, Dennis, you said that they flip a lot today, but um, yeah. it's really more the build up and you know for this opening print, and then I think the close probably has a little bit more significance too. It's the actual you know where people are marked, but you know I think a lot's about. I mean they say four trillion dollars is coming off the table. I mean that's a lot of money, but it's it's, it's been, it seems like it's old people short trying to cover the way we've traded the last couple. Trying days. to predict the moves ahead of time on these option expirations is not the way to play it. Like as a trader, it's to fade the extreme. So if we have some extreme movement off the open, meaning a stock opens up really high on no news, or a stock opens down really low on no news, those are often fades because those are done for order flow reasons. What I've always taught on especially on the third Fridays of the month, is sometimes you have just options. You have institutional money coming in, big player jockeying against their open stock positions, and that's not done on any fundamentals. So it's just done for order flow reasons. And order flow move reasons often retrace. They often do. So not all the time. Nothing's 100% of the time. But if it works 55% of the time, I'll make money from it. So I just basically am a fader always on options expiration. So this is the third Friday. I'll be fading crazy opens. I will also be fading crazy closes, meaning just going against the stock gaps up. I'm short. Stock gaps down. I'm long. Again, trying to avoid news stocks because those are more trendy. You know, you get a stock gap and down on news, it can continue because you may even punish people who are playing that strategy. They didn't catch the news. So you got to be careful just watching on the news. Well, will you be fading the automotives today? Of course, labor strikes hitting the automotive industry hard with GM, Ford, Stellantis, factories all affected here. We're going to take a watch at the price action. Uh, but as you guys see this, this was just a kind of a reporting as, of course, the, uh, the deadline hit last night. Uh, Sean Fay, the UAW president, uh, saying that we demand fair agreement for economic and social justice. Income disparity is a problem and workers deserve their fair share. The strike will continue until workers' needs are prioritized. The struggle isn't just about us. It's about the workers nationwide. And we will persist as long as necessary for fairness. And there were some mentions yesterday, of course. Uh, it seems like they were moving up in their offers. GM had offered up to 20% wage increases. And they had moved down to mid-30%. So what I'm seeing out there is about 20 to 40%. Could they maybe meet at 30%? That's one thing that at least I would give on my outlook here. Um. Yeah, I think you're going to meet probably lower than 30%. I think, you know, what Phil Bow is saying on CNBC, who's, who's more connected than him, he thought it's going to be in the mid-20s. I think that's where it's going to be, too. Remember, this is over four years, too. It's not an instantaneous 25 or 30% raise. So it sounds better when you're saying over four years. But let's, you know, like Mary Barr was just on CNBC. They're all frustrated. The CEOs are all frustrated. The companies are all frustrated because the UAW hasn't responded. They haven't yeah. given an offer back. That's so, it. I mean, that is frustrating here. You know, obviously there's been offers put like, well, give us something back on paper. Like, give us something. It's almost like this UAW president just wanted this historic strike under his belt. You know, yeah. all three striking at the same time. I'm going to get this under my belt. I'm the best president ever. You know, like, it's almost like <laughs> yeah. he needed to have this. And that's selfish on his part, in my opinion. 
I believe, you know, if they could have negotiated. So maybe they start negotiating harder now that they're officially on strike. But he wanted the strike. He was going yeah, he on did. strike. We he called did, it. no he matter was, what. He wanted it. He needed it. I mean, so now that it, they're officially on strike, maybe they can actually start talking here because he's got the official strike. He's got the strike belt. So um, I think, you know, there will be a deal here made. I think it'll be in the mid-20s. I think that the UAW demands will come down. Obviously, you hope it's not a prolonged strike where it's going to start affecting the suppliers and plasma. It's a great point. We're going to talk to suppliers here in a second. Um, but, you know, it's it's now official. So GM and Ford are trading down, but not down much. And, you know, because everybody knew, we knew this. You know, another playoff of this is Tesla trading higher. I did yep. go long Tesla on the close um, yep. for the simple reason that I thought it would trade up here today. I've sold the stock now because it's up $2.50, and I feel like it's kind of priced in. But that was kind of an obvious trade. Um, what about the suppliers? Plasma was asking, you know, we could talk about the suppliers here. Because there is a number of those that obviously could be impacted if it's a prolonged strike. I mean, you got Lear and Magna. I mean, Magna is one of the biggest, so MGA. So we could look at a chart like that. Like, if these haven't sold off much, I mean, they're still sitting up here. Like, what do you think, technically speaking, both of you technical analysts, well, before what do you think for- on a stock like MGA? Well, first, before we go to that, um, sure. I just wanted to go to the sympathy plays and uh we probably should have picked this up earlier. Uh, Mitch and I did talk about Tesla. Tesla is getting a benefit, but have you still got your Toyota, Dennis? I sold I mean, my Toyota just recently. I just sold uh, it, and I should have held on to it thinking about this strike. I should have held on a little bit longer. I sold it yeah. about a week ago. 181, okay. I think I sold it right in there because okay. it's just moved a long ways. I picked it up at 140. It's moved to 180, 40 points. I was up 30% in three months. It felt like a pretty good move. So, I mean, okay. three-month trade, make 30%, you know, and it's not been a great trading environment, like investing environment. It's been a pretty good trading environment, not a great investing environment. I think it's been a good move. I do think now you're looking at Toyota. I think, like, these Ooh. are, like, now it's, it's like, this is the froth, you know? This is, you know, probably the time to actually sell it. So, I was probably sold too early. But I always sell too early. That's what I do, man. Look at Honda, too. Honda's been revving up its engines as well, too. That's yeah. had to move from 30 to 36. I mean, I I was listening to the uh, uh, the uh, Jim Farley, uh, the Ford president, who also I think uh, you gotta like him. I I think he was a really good. Someone told me a really good competitive swimmer. He was like, you know, we put we put they put a historic deal on the table, and they didn't even get a phone call back. So because um, he wanted so- the strike, man, he was not going <laughs> to negotiate before the strike whatsoever. He needed this. I think it's completely selfish. It's just my opinion. Is this? I don't. I'm not his head. I don't know, but I think he wanted that strike. Is this also have to do with the way that how easy Teamsters and UPS had it? Right. I mean, they got what they wanted. So I think that this has to do with that, right? Just seeing other yeah. labor negotiations yeah. going so well for UPS. They're like, well, maybe we can get what we want if we just stand firm on our percentage. And it is his job. So, you know, I do say he wanted the historic strike, but it is his job, to your point, Mitch, to get the best deal possible. And he feels the best deal possible is by striking. So yeah. that's why they're doing it. You know, is he going to get the 46? I don't think so. Or 44, whatever he's asking. We know they would drop to the 30s. Is he going to get it up in the 30s? Maybe it stays strong enough. But I do think that these automotives companies here, I think demand is going to fall off a cliff for all of them. I do think interest rates are eventually going to hit home here. You know, we had Ken Griffin on there. He made great points. It takes a year to a year and a half, he said, for interest rates to really do their work. Well, we're coming into that spot right now. And maybe we're wrong. 
But I think the big ticket stuff, the reason solar is epically disastrous, the reason, you know, GM and Ford have sold off, it is because of the strike, but it's also because investors are predicting that auto demand is going to start to go down at least a little bit. We were on peak record profits. Same thing with the airlines, you know, like they're coming off. It was like, you know, Goldilocks, everybody's traveling. Who cares? We don't care. We're going to live for today. Well, you know what? It's tomorrow now. It's tomorrow. YOLO, it is tomorrow. And a lot of these people have actually spent their money. So, I mean, this is why the airlines are going down. And again, fuel prices are something to do with it too. You know, they're blaming fuel prices. But I also think you're going to have demand issues here as well. Because you know what happens when the fuel prices go up? They got to raise the ticket prices. And that curtails demand too. So there's a lot of considerations here, but I think interest rates hit home in the automotives as well. Right, the uh, the suppliers have been down too. Uh, Magda's down from 64, uh, trading near the low of the move. So it, it I mean, it's going to have a big impact. I just think every day, I mean, you see the, you know, what the economic toll is going to be, but I mean, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's the, a short trade in these things, but it seems like maybe not a short, but man, it, it's going to take some kind of catalyst to get these. There's Magna, there's Borg Warner. Um, oh, there's, there's a supply, been, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a dozen major companies here. And if you want to go through, you know, we could go through all the tickers here. Um, but, you know, BWA, you know, as obviously Borg Warner. What's it done? Let's take a look at that one. It's and it's, off. it's off, too. So some of these yeah. have come off substantially. Yeah. ASML shares are trading lower after TSMC reportedly told its suppliers to postpone the delivery of high-end chip-making equipment here. Semiconductor equipment stocks down significantly here. What are you guys seeing out in the markets? You know what's interesting here, Mitch, and if you can go hunt it down, is Wolf actually uh, put Mm, a buy rating on this entire sector last night. Mm. So Wolf put a buy rating on applied materials. LRCX. They also put a buy on ASML and KLAC. And it's actually the worst possible time to note that I have seen in a very long time because it came out. All of these stocks were trading up last night after hours on this. And then this news hits from Reuters this morning. I don't know if it's a rumor or if it's substantiated, but obviously Taiwan Semiconductor uh, worried about demand, delaying chip deliveries, and that is crushing all these stocks here this morning. So completely reversed. LRCX was up 4 or $5 last night. Mm. It has now turned around and went down $12 here, trading down. So it's a 17-point reversal from where it was trading at last night. Um, applied materials, same story, was up a buck last night on the Wolf Research paper. That has turned around and went down here too. Very interesting that, you know, the timing of this, you know, poor Wolf, I feel bad for him, actually. I think it was Wolf, right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. I'm calling him right on that. Where do you note? put them? Where do you put them in your your ratings? Uh, ratings um, mid-tier. They move mid-tier? stocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say they're mid. They're not like, you know, so you got, again, if we're doing the ratings, Goldman, very influential right near the top. Morgan, the big banks, you know, JP and then you've Morgan, got like the yep. Pipers. And, you know, and, and the Wedbush, we love them. Great analysis. They're just a step down from there. I'd probably put Wolf in a step down yet. And then you got the really small boutiques. And, and Wolf's pretty small, too. So it's somewhere, you know, towards the mid to, to the lower on. But again, people, you know, some of these boutiques really move stocks because they sometimes cover stocks that the big houses aren't covering. And then secondly is that there don't have as many conflicts of interest. So I think, you know, where you've got trading decks, desks with Goldman, people are always skeptical. Oh, they're upgrading it. 
because, and, it, and I don't believe that happens, but people are skeptical of it. You don't have as many conflicts when you have the smaller boutiques. So like a DA Davidson, a lot of people listen to those. They move stocks, you know. Smaller, so yeah, the smaller. There's some smaller also, ones that actually are yeah. very influential. You were going to talk North Coast, which we can get to them in a second here too, Mitch. It's a good conversation, but let's bring this right back. We'll get to ratings here in a little bit. Bring this back into the LRCX ASML Ooh. conversation here yeah. because you got ASML really getting hit here this morning. It's down from the highs, seven hundred and fifty dollars in July. It's six twenty one. Now it's down to six oh two. I mean, what are your thoughts Ooh. here? Technically speaking, throw it back to you guys. Uh, just under six. I'm just going to go to the monthlies here, and you haven't hit 600 yet. Uh, you do have one monthly low. Just kind of uh, flagging that area. Uh, that monthly low comes in from earlier in the year. It's funny because TSM is not down that much, and they're the one that uh, that came out. Well, it is well under 600. Uh, 589.89 was your March low, but. I don't know. Uh, 33,000 shares have traded. Uh, the initial spike low, we'll just keep an eye, an eye on that. That's 602 and a quarter. So if you're leaning on anything, 602 and a quarter. 600 psychological LRCX is getting hit pretty good, too. Uh, this uh, There's only one low at the 640 area. But what's more, I, what I like about this one better is now you have major resistance, right? Because you had four lows at uh, at the 652 area. So no can do. It, that's going to be major resistance. That was also the bottom of yesterday's range. And then ASML, mm -hmm, 602, or we already did this. I don't know. I mean, it's specific to TSM, and they're not hitting it that much. Yeah, and that's interesting too. The Taiwan Semiconductor doesn't hit it again. ADRS is trading, but it's I guess you know they there's it's where they're shipping these chips to that's going to get affected the most. So they slow down you know shipments. They're worried about you know that obviously ASML isn't going to have the chips that they need to produce <laughs> to send out. So there's the four companies. If you're just looking at them again, LRCX Supply Materials, ASML, and KLA 10 Core are the most affected here. I do have a small position full disclosure in KLAC. Reuters is reporting also that they're increasingly nervous about customer demand, that two sources familiar with the matter had said that. That's reporting from Reuters. Also talking about the delays of the $40 billion chip factory in Arizona, probably weighing in on this as they're trying to control costs and reflect the company's growing caution and outlook for demand. Uh, yeah. That's what sources said there. Let's go to Adobe's as a surprise move here as the earnings were good here, but yeah. didn't get the lift. Q3 EPS, $4.09 beats the $3.98 estimate. Sales of $4.89 billion beat the $4.87 billion estimate. Adobe sees Q4 adjusted EPS at $4.10 to $4.15 versus a $4.06 estimate. Total revenues at 4.97 to 5.02 versus a 5 billion estimate outlook looking good here beating the revenue beating eps what's going on guys yeah same thing we called this exactly on closing print with joel so we called the 335 345 and i said i hope they don't get oracled i'm like it feels <laughs> like the oracle setup similar it's a sympathy oracle Ooh. with adobe oracle's earnings were fine but again, expectations are simply too high going into the quarter. The stock was up 200 points in the last three months. The stock is up 60% in three months. The expectations are simply too high. That guidance was nothing, you know, crazy awesome. It was fine. 
the guidance was fine, but it wasn't as good as it needed to be for those higher expectations. And that is why the stock is selling off today. So again, we saw it, you know, with Oracle, we also saw it with AVGO before that. If you remember Broadcom sold off on a pretty decent report. Real good story. Oracle yep. dip is getting bought. I yep. do believe eventually the Adobe dip will get bought, but look, Oracle didn't buy it until like day two or day three. So maybe you let the dust settle, see what happens here before just jumping in. We'll let you guys find the spot though. You guys yeah, that's why I'm not, uh, you know, it went down. Oracle did go down to fill the gap. I know we were a little bit, we were looking at the 112 area. It actually went down and filled the gap and then looked at it afterwards. And it had uh, the low before it gapped up. This is way back in June was 107.41. And the other day you hit 107.30. So it did exceed the gap area, but that's past history. Now, now you'd be looking at for a 50% retreat of this move if you did pick up the oracle during that dip 120 20 point move make it easy for me target 117 for oracle on a bounce we're looking at adobe here so not gonna make the same mistake adobe that i did uh we're talking about oracle i'm gonna let the dust settle here a little bit and man i don't think you're gonna at least now i don't know about today maybe getting it in the lower 500s but for right now Mm, your next daily low, I'll say 524, because that splits uh, some lows from August 28th and August 29th. If uh, you're looking for a little bit more downside in Adobe. Some Unity's of the plays have already reported like Oracle and stuff. So, I mean, we're late in the earnings season. So a lot of those probably aren't going to happen. Mitch, what were you going to say? Uh, just going to move us forward towards yep. an area that caught us moving steel. Nucor expecting Q3 earnings Ooh. for steel mills segment to decline quarter over quarter, primarily due to lowering pricing to a lesser extent volumes. They're expecting a Q3 EPS now of $4.10 to $4.20. The estimate was $4.65. Um, it had posted $6.50 the prior year. It expects the largest impacts on earnings to occur at the sheet mills. So be careful out there in steel, as that was peak, hot yesterday. Peak cycle. We were at peak cycle here. We're coming off peak cycle. These companies have cyclical earnings. They're not like Apple that just grow earnings steadily and keep going up, you know, no matter what the cycle. Steel earnings are like this. And the, on the bottom of the cycle, they go negative. So you always got to be careful of the value traps here. You're now coming off. We know 650 last year. Now we're making 450. We've already come back down. So, you know, when it looked like a P of eight, it's like, oh, how can you go wrong? New core P of eight. There was the money manager on CNBC last year talking about that, saying, ah, oh, you know, it's a no brainer. It's a P of eight. Well, it's cyclical, buddy. Come on. Let's, you know, understand a little bit how businesses work here. And now that P is starting to climb because that E is starting to go down. If you get to a bottom of a cycle and we actually do go into a recession, they will go negative, these earnings. So you have to consider all that stuff. Not saying, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. Maybe it's going to continue. And the stock has actually held up very well. So, I mean, looking at all that, it's holding up well, even on the lower guide here, too. So somewhat as investors' expectations on certain companies, these value names, is actually too low. So it's funny. As, as much as Adobe's expectations are too high, some of these companies that have these lower PEs, maybe their expectations are simply too low and they're not selling off much on the lower guidance. I mean, imagine it was Adobe that lowered guidance. That thing would be Ooh. down 10%, but it's yep. not. It's new core and we're like, well, it's cyclical. Well, we know we're slowing down a little bit. You know what? It still has a lower PE, so it can take that to a certain extent. So it is down $3.50, but it's kind of taking it in stride because you know what? 
a lot of people are expecting at least a little bit of a slowdown here, and they know these earnings are cyclical. Uh, you did get an immediate drop to 158. You do have an area to keep an eye on. You had a daily low July 6 at 156.68. So right there, that low got close to it. Now getting a little bit of a bounce. Only 1,500 shares have traded. But I just want to go, what does this say about X, right? I mean, we heard hmm. rumors of a deal, right? Yeah. And what the do we, when we talk? Up, yeah, when we we talk about these kind of things, and we're like, well, you know, if there's smoke, there's fire. But if you don't, you know, if you don't hear something, you, what have we heard? We haven't. That was what uh, August, uh, early in August, you had to gap up, and nothing now. So I don't know. I mean, I think the longer you hang out on this trade, you know, the more possibility that someone says, oh no, we're not going to buy this, and then boom, you go down and fill the gap. Cleveland Cliffs, uh, I believe, was rumored, but I don't know. Just kind of just hanging up here just tempted people. So uh, this the, is uh, the risk. Herbs, Joel, are completely against you because this is not selling off even on the new core lowered guidance. The risk, if there was okay. no deal on the table. This X would be down a buck right now, but because. The risk arbs are confident of a deal. They are not willing to yeah. sell this stock off at all. They could be wrong. Risk arbs have been wrong before, but they're very informed and they're very smart. And some of okay. them, I even wonder if they don't have some information. You know, so right now the stock trading action is telling me that a deal is imminent. That is what the stock trading action, even though we haven't heard anything, it is not selling off whatsoever. Rumors started the stock was 23. It's 31. We just had a peer in the industry, lower guidance, and this thing's down 10 cents. It's telling me that something is cooking. Okay. All right. Well, good. Good to get a contrarian view on that one. All right, guys. We are getting some uh, economic data to come in and import and export prices. Mm, okay. Uh, also be paying attention to Empire State Manufacturing. Um, I'll get you guys those numbers in just a second. We can sure. take a little recap on that. I don't think it's the biggest move, but I just want to at least note it there for you guys. Now, one thing I did want to say, and this has been uh, something that Dennis has been talking about for a lot here. So I got to play at least this sound button for my man. I can see the future. And we'll bring up Walt Disney with that outlook because he's been oh, nice. talking about this for a while. Walt Disney has received a $10 billion offer from Byron Allen here, founder of Entertainment Studios for ABC TV and other networks. Bloomberg is reporting this. Per the report, Allen had made a preliminary offer to acquire Disney's ABC network, local stations, the FX and National Geographic cable channels. Of course, Walt Disney has said that it's open to considering numerous strategic options here for its linear business. What will happen here? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there with the ABC deal, but I've I said this yesterday and I said it two days ago with you here, Joel. It's turned. It, it, it's like after hours last night, they actually had some bad news at the tape on Disney Plus that happened right before. And I don't know if we have that news there, Mitch, but right before um like the close so it was like 359 you see a violent spike down and that was because there was something on disney plus and i forget what the headline yeah that they were going to come up like millions and millions short on uh disney on, plus subscribers and who that said that bloomberg 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 yep. and that came out and the stock bounced right back <laughs> it and did. you know why it's that. bouncing back here now because disney plus they're giving it a big zero valuation that's what they're giving it to it now. How do we know that? Well, stock was $125 when 
when Disney Plus actually came out. It's way Remember below that? that now. The Disney Plus value is probably negative, actually, because it's sucking cash from the company right now. So it sees subscribers going down, and they don't even care as much anymore. When stocks start going up on bad news, it's usually a sign that a short-term bottom is in. I'm going to stick with that. I do think as a trade here, you're buying dips on Disney, not putting the long-term investment account. I just don't feel it there yet. But, and again, I'm not putting a lot in the long-term investment account because I'm just not feeling stocks in the long-term investment account. But the short-term trading, I feel like, is to the upside. So I was absolutely correct when I said it yesterday. I'm going to say it again here. Dips are now getting bought on Disney. 85 bucks. I mean, we have. if there's been a level that we have been uh, talking about consistently, or I've been talking about consistently, was how you had all that major support at uh, 85, just above it, then you broke through it. I tried to get the, the price action. How long ago did they come out with that Disney Plus? Um, all right, we just went red here in the S&Ps, but got to hold 85 here. You know, old resistance, uh, right? Old support. New resistance, and now will it act as support again here? Uh, up 68 cents going against market does. We just went red here, just kind of a slow leak. Did we get anything on the or the imbalances yet, or anything, or is this just people just uh taking things off ahead of the uh? Of well, the we had some economic data there, imbalances are chopping around. There's a lot of buy imbalances and a lot of sell imbalances, they're both ways. I'd say it's very mixed, they're big yeah. both directions here. The banks all have buys right now, banks are showing some relative strength. A lot of consumer staples and oil stocks actually have sell imbalances. That can all change. I think it's a little bit of the economic data that we just got, but a slow okay. leak here too. I mean, it's not some. There's some bad news in tech here today. Let's be honest. Tech has been holding up fairly well. Qs are only down 77 cents. But let's do the math here. I mean, just summing up what we just talked about for the last 35 minutes before we go into CC. I mean, you've got a chip wreck kind of happening here. We got Applied Materials, LRCX, are all down 2.5%. Adobe earnings were, were pretty good, and they hammered the stock on it, down 3.6%. You've got Microsoft has now turned red. It was up the entire session here. Apple is starting mm -hmm. to leak. Amazon's been down because of Adobe the entire session here. So, I mean, tech is not looking great today. And we know as tech goes, this market goes overall because it's half of the spy. So, I mean, well, when you look at that, it's more than half spy. No, no I wanted to ask you, oh, Dennis, will ARM play into this also? I just feel I like ARM played so much into it. I think, yeah, ARM, you... I think ARM's sliding a little bit because it's so early in the ARM trade, though. So many other mechanics happening in the ARM trade. The, the low float, the potential, you know, just to, like, you know, like, get it moving up just because that was a low float. So, like, think about it. I'm not comparing it at all, but think about that automotive company. What the heck was it? V... V... I don't even yeah, know. VFS. <laughs> like that's on that's a low scary. float. So, so dumb and crazy things happen on low float stocks. And that's why, and you know, there's not even optionalities. You can't short it right yet. So there's a lot of yeah. things not keeping that in check. I mean, if short, if you could short the thing, if you can get a locate, if you could have options on it, you know, maybe it can start to price in some of this stuff. But right now it's just moving on a one-sided market. You can really only buy, buy or sell. There's no betting on the downside on this thing yet. So it's hard for it to just have a significant sell-off when you have no shorts keeping it in check. Well, I want to find out about the options action. And I thought, why, why not? We got one of the best guests for options out there. Let's go right to it. You guys smash the like. CC Legator from Options, well, at Options Learn, Options AI. CC, how you doing on this quarterly event, a quad witch here in September? Good. Good to see you guys. How you doing? We're doing good. So 
kind of low volatility, uh, lowest volatility uh, we've seen in, in quite some time. So talk about how that could potentially play into this quad witch expiration. Yeah, and the you know just to background, the quad witching, triple witching, you know, a lot basically unwinds today. So you have futures settling in the morning, you have options expiring in the, you know, at the close, and you know, on top of that, you have rebalancing on the ETFs, you have SPY going ex-div. There's like a ton happening today that's like um, the best way I th I think to look at this sort of witching day is that you've been living in a certain vol regime leading up to this expiry. And then come, you know, at some point today, all of that stuff starts to get unwound, right? And you enter Monday morning in a completely different situation than we closed last night, for instance, right? And I think that's the best way to look at it. People are like, oh, is it bearish? Is it bullish? I think the best way to look at it is there are a ton of options and futures and all expiring today. And it totally changes the backdrop to the market uh, come you know Monday morning, if not huh. before the close today. So... For instance, we, I don't know if you've noticed, um, you know, the SPX and the SPY were right near 450 and 4,500. The amount of options and notional value and a bunch of those values of options uh, for this expiration are like historically large, right? Which makes sense. Options are getting more popular and all, but there's a ton of options expiring and those lines, 4,500 and 450, are absolutely massive, right? So you think about like where we closed yesterday afternoon, right there, right? And that's uh -huh. like acting, you know, like as a magnet and you've got this backdrop, you got CPI, you got PPI that were bad. You've got Oracle had terrible earnings today or this week, okay. Adobe is down today. The Nobody knows what the Fed's going to do next week. And yet the VIX is at, you know, three and a half year lows. And so, a lot of that might be unnatural with this backdrop of all of these options going into this expiration. And then when you wake up on Monday morning and you've been trading a certain way with the expectation that like, you know, the futures are down in the morning, I'm going to buy the dip, the futures are up and the, you know, that might change. It doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. change. Everything might just get rolled and, and, and that sort of softens. But like that backdrop might change. And I think that's the important way for traders to look at, you know, quad witching and all is that the 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 couple of weeks prior might feel there very good on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and that's what uh, we were discussing that uh, earlier. Mitch was asking about, you know, the expirations and things like that. A lot of time, it's just the buildup, right? It's the yeah. buildup, the the rollover in the futures contracts, which happened uh, last week. You get, uh, you know, the air pockets and that. So you're kind of like, you're kind of taking the approach, like, mm -hmm. instead of like, oh, man, this is the day. This is the day I'm really going to rake things in. There's going to be so much volatility. You're kind of just like, well, you know, we, we've had different factors, and it's a good point. I mean, the, the CPI was okay. PPI wasn't great. But the market the market came in, but because people were short at 4,500 or because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of the optionality. So uh, that's an excellent point. So uh, so coming Monday, uh, you'll be focusing on, uh, on some other things with uh, – not you know, not to mention just low volatility. I mean, we're 
we've been low for a while. I mean, do you have any comparisons of, you know, when we've stayed the, this low this long? And yeah. how long it stayed to come out of it? There's brutal periods in the past. And when I say brutal, I'm a former options market maker. And, you know, a VIX at 12 or 13 for years is just brutal, right? Um, but there's been periods in the past where it's gone on for a long time, right? I think the interesting one with this uh, situation is, you know, as mentioned, the VIX is now back to where it was pre-pandemic, right? Um, and it's at these lowest levels. That was totally justified. Like if you look at any chart in the market, if you looked at the market itself over basically from spring until about a month ago or so, I mean, it was the most boring, slow grind higher of all time, right? I mean, there was like breaking records of how little actual movement there were in the markets day to day. That really feels like it's changed over the last couple of weeks and the last month, right? You're getting this two-way action. You're seeing some, you know, pretty big single stock moves. And yet the options are still sort of priced like we were back this summer. And I, th I think that's one thing to look at. And, you know, going back to that prior point about this quad witching is some of this might be unnatural, right? Um, and then on, you throw on top of that, there's a ton of discussion around zero DTE trading, which means that like, you know, is the front couple of days of volatility and options getting suppressed because people are trading, you know, they're selling iron condors and they're selling strangles on spy options like every day. What I'm now looking at is with the VIX now 13 or 12, that 30 day, those 30 day options and 60 day options are really, really inexpensive. And, you know, I the I uh, have a new YouTube channel, which people should check out. I'll throw a link in the chat. Um, but one of the things I posted this week was just looking at like Apple stock. And you look at that chart from spring until uh, the fall, you know, not the fall, the end of summer, let's say. And it's just that slow grind higher, right? And then they had earnings, then they had the iPhone event, then they had the China news and everything like that. The stock's whipping around like eight, 10%, right? At a time over like the period of a couple of days. If you look at the options market, if you look at like the expected move chart on options AI and you can pull it up on our free tools, it's not, options aren't pricing another 10% move in Apple out until like January, right? Huh. So these options, are so you know depressed like yeah mitch go out and like see where it says like the first 10 percent move yeah like like you're out so far now look at that last month on that chart and how much that stock's been whipping around right and so this is sort of my point is that like apple options clearly have been wrong the last month and they're still assuming that it's going to look more like that summer slow grind than that last month right and so I see uh, when I'm looking at these and I've done a couple of videos on YouTube this week, looking at these kinds of setups, like even Adobe earnings yesterday, I did a post yesterday and I was like, look out like a month and a half or two months in Adobe at like put spreads and things like that. And you, you don't even need to get this earnings exactly right. I mean, it, the stock is down, so you would have gotten it right, but you've bought yourself time for that, that chart to roll over like Oracle, right? And so there's all these kinds of opportunities where I think that vol is um, potential opportunities. We have no idea what's going to happen, but the, you know, the, the, the setup is there's something, it'd almost be like, um, 
in like uh, sports gambling or something, if you if you're looking at like a future and you're like, oh, this this team is eighteen hundred, you know, plus eighteen hundred or whatever to get to the Super Bowl or something like that, and you're like, I don't think it can go much lower than that unless they lose every game. But if they start winning and they go on like a six game winning streak like that, I'm going to be able to get out of this thing. Right. And so I kind of looking at some of these like month and two month trades down the line where it's like you're taking on such little risk for such potential reward. And this is, you know, this is actually the opposite of how I sound most of the times when I come on the show. But, you know, because normally the inclination in options is the easy, not easy money, but the, the higher probability trading is from the short side. Yeah, that's always true. But with the VIX at 12 or 13 and stocks starting to feel like they're moving like that, you kind of have to flip your mindset and look for opportunities like, you know, that I look at that Apple chart and I'm like, that's crazy. You could kind of like pick a direction and wait two months and you might get your move. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I wanted to ask. Go, 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 Mitch. I wanted to ask, of course, we just got the. Big IPO, at least for the year. At least that's the way I'm feeling like with ARM. Yeah. And of course, we just recently went through an experience and the chat caught this also with VFS that it was riding up until the options came out. Right. So my question here, CC, is when will ARM get options trading and could that maybe potentially be the top in action? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know the exact rules and I wonder if it's different for uh, the different market caps, but it should only, it should be like next week. Right. Okay. And I think it should be like on the SIBO usually puts out a notice. Um, but as far as like what happens, yeah, that's like, you know, if you have a short squeeze and you know, shares are hard to borrow, you list options, all of a sudden people have another way to short it. Now, what's wild is if you're like on the other side of those trades as an options market maker, you get all kinds of crazy, you have to like uh, the sort of um, synthetic value of the put versus the call get all out of whack. And the market maker is basically taking the risk of getting, you know, when they have to hedge and sell shares, they're taking the risk of getting bought in overnight. And so that's when you'll see, like, if they, when they do list options, let's say it's like the end of next week or something, you might see some crazy put call uh, differences. You know, like if the stock's 50, the put might look like it's massively in the money and the call might look like it's massively out of the money. You know what I mean? And that's doing that hard to borrow and short squeeze thing. And so then what the options do is they allow people to come in and short the stock in a new way without the stock, basically. There is an uh, there was a change yesterday. Actually, Professor Jim Angel was just tweeting uh, tweeting this yesterday, September fourteenth. A note from Arca on options, and I'm just reading from the note, trying to get the gist of it. But they are reducing the time that it takes to list if your market cap's over three billion dollars. So I was obviously this was coming out. So it's saying as a result of this change, an underlying security with a market capitalization of at least three billion dollars, based upon the offering price of its initial IPO, which Arm would qualify for may be listed and traded starting on or after the second business day following go. the nice. initial IPO day, provided Ooh. all other options listing requirements are met. So yeah, it so sounds you... to me like, and I don't know if it's official, but it sounds to me like you could get ARM options on Monday. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because it, when, um, you know, trying to answer that question, I was like, well, it used to, it used to 
take like a week or two. Yeah. And then I feel like there's been some really big cap IPOs that were like two days later and that's the answer. So they do yeah, have I a rule so. on market cap. Yeah. 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 It sounds like it sounds to me like it's going to be Monday. Yeah. Now here's the thing is like, um, I can, I know this from our end on the data side, <laughs> the getting those new strikes and all into via your data providers that you pay $50,000 a minute to like sometimes takes a while, right? Like for those things to fill in on the options, it's kind of crazy how archaic that side of the business is. So the SIBO might list those or whatever, and you might not see it until Wednesday on your trading platform. It's kind of crazy. And I could, I, that's a long story. I could go in and complain about that for 10 minutes. <laughs> well, CC, I, I, I'm going to need the CCLAI. Uh, but other than that, because I don't have that, tell me at least some kind of plays that you're looking at out in the option market. I think it's basically, you know, that what I was talking about in, you know, uh, just to hammer that Apple chart, right? So, and I have a video up on that YouTube channel. I'll drop the link after we hop off. Yeah. And it was basically, you know, I think it was after that first move um, lower last week, it was like you could actually buy like a near term call spread and then a longer term, like two month output spread. And I think you could trade out of both of these, you know, with the way the stock was moving. And so those are the kind of interesting setups. And I would look for charts that look exactly like that, where you've had this slow grind, you've had really low historical vol. And if you go, um, oh, it's actually not on our free tools, but like, you know, the best way to look at that is the expected move, right? So Apple just moved, it's down 10% in the last couple of weeks, it's making six, 7% swings. Then you, you know, just like Mitch did, you hover out on that expected move and you realize that the options aren't even pricing that kind of move out until like January or February, that, look to those types of setups. And there's a ton of charts that look like that right now. And whether you're bullish or bearish, you know, that's more a matter of timing. Like obviously right now I was looking at that Adobe yesterday and it looked very similar to Oracle setup. I think it's it dead. Den Dennis, your point is like, how many times are you going to mention AI on the conference call? <laughs> and it was sort of like that exact setup, right? Like they, you know, they um, needed to blow it out of the water at that chart level. And those kinds of setups, like, you know, you, it is a very inexpensive setup on um, those kinds of plays, like put spreads and things. And then if you're bullish in something, if, if something has just sold off, those kinds of call spreads back up to the highs. So that's the way I'm looking at things right now is like looking out a month or two, right? And uh, catching cheap ball. Okay. What a Better guess could we have on quantum expiration than CC Legator Options AI breaking it down for us? Thanks a lot, CC. We'll be dialing you up long before that December expiration. Thanks again. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thanks, CC. Slow right. leak, Dennis. Leak, leak, yeah. leak, 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 leak. Yeah, leak. we're leaking. A lot of sell imbalances here. Almost all sell imbalances now. Again, this changes so they could flip the buys, but they're almost all sells right now. That's probably weighing on the stocks to a certain extent. But I just think the underlying, like this morning, when you come in, you see the S&P up, and I had a trader from Bright just messaging me like, how is the SPY up? And I'm like, yeah. I'm looking, I'm like, I know there's some big things really getting hit. Now, there was a lot of stocks trading green, and there's still a lot of stocks trading in the green. But there is just some some damage in some of those major followed stocks. Too much. And that, and that yep. Taiwan Semiconductor, 
you know, news, you know, GM's getting all the headlines, but that TSM news, which, you know, again, they're not hitting TSM, is really going to impact markets here. I mean, the chips are really getting hit now. Ply materials down two and a half percent. We talked about these LRCX down two percent, but NVIDIA is starting to get hit here now. AMD starting to get hit here now. Apple's still holding green. Apple is bucking the trend and holding green. They got to buy something, I guess, but Microsoft has went red. Google is red. Meta is red. Amazon's been red all morning because of Adobe. Um, it's kind of a tech wreck here today, and that's what's really weighing on the trade, at least early. Well, Unity was trading higher off of their ratings. Let's talk about it. It's still up a little bit here. Unity Software trading higher after B of A Securities upgraded the stock from neutral to buy and raising the price target from 46 to 56. Is it time for Unity? I don't know if it's time or not. I put some in the long-term portfolio. You guys know that. It's been, it's right in this price. I've bought it right in this area here. So um, I've kind of been up in it. I'm down in it. I don't know what to think about it. I just think that Unity is going to be a big part of AI. I think, you know, they work with Apple even on some stuff. They have some huge customers here. The, the valuation is high, but if they start to do where their projections are, and I was looking at earnings projections for this company out to 2024, um, some analysts are predicting this thing's going to make over a buck. So then you're only looking like 30 times earnings if they actually hit those projections. And with the growth that it has, you can pick up a 30 times earnings on Unity. It's much different than picking up a 30 times on Apple with no growth. So I don't know if they hit those projections, but you're taking shots. I put a small percentage of my long-term portfolio on Unity. I don't have it on for a trade. It's only in the long-term account right now. Um, just getting a little bit of exposure to a company that I think is going to have a big part of AI. Uh, you did uh, get a retreat off this. We talked about, I'll just do real quick technicals on this. You had a move from uh, 33 to 40. So uh, seven point move, three and a half. So 36.50 uh, is a 50% retracement. You did take that out yesterday. I think if this could establish a bid here, you know, just a couple days is getting a good start with the upgrade. You know, a bid here, established bid, 35 and a half, 36. You can lean on this intermediate low. Uh, but if you really want good information on Unity, uh, come to the closing print today. Michael Pactor is going to be joining oh, yeah, us. Nice. And uh, yeah, so at, uh, at 3.30. So make sure. No, nobody uh, knows more about this company than Michael Pactor. I mean, he's, you know, the person to listen to. I'm going to tune in for that for sure. Okay. Now, uh, Joel and Dennis, you guys didn't tell me that you guys started a research for North Coast Research. That that should have been you guys, right? <laughs> North, uh, Coast, North Coast North. Research upgrading today, uh, Shake Shack to buy and announcing an $85 price target. Who's getting their shake? Because they uh, might have a shack. <laughs> It's a nice move here for Shake Shack off of this earnings. Again, Shack doesn't have a ton of coverage. It's not a common thing to be rated. It is a contrarian call. What do we mean by that? Stocks been going straight down. You have somebody coming out to defend it. Those always are more influential. Yes, North Coast is not the biggest. It's a small boutique. But again, with not a lot of coverage, it can move stocks. Does this get Etsy, though, Joel? Oh, you, you just took, overhead... you can't do that, Dennis. I you stole your line. You I stole your book. line. I think I'm with you, too, so long I read your mind, Joel. But anyways, Etsy <laughs> tried to pop up. But again, the overhead supply issue is just too heavy on this thing. I think uh, Shake Shack could be the same thing. There's so much overhead supply that happy, you know, buyers that bought this thing last week might be like, oh, I got my money back. Thank you. you know, buyers <laughs> yeah. that bought, you know, if it gets a little bit higher, that bought, you know, a week and a half ago, thank you. I got my money back. Buyers that bought two weeks ago, probably not getting their money back today.
<laughs> Probably not. Uh, not much in here. Potential support at the top of yesterday's range, 62.51. Uh, you had, wow, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six lower lows or lower highs. You broke that string yesterday. Got to take out the pre-market high. My next target for that would be 65.45. But as Dennis stole my line, don't get Etsy because that uh, held up a little bit. And also, it was like a good market yesterday, right? So held on to some of his gains, but still ended up with a red candle. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us today. What's your la final outlook here, Dennis? Um. I think you're going to see a lot of chop. The option expirations are potential turning points here. It does appear that the bulls have some control here, but I'm challenging that if that lasts. Maybe yeah. it does. It's just so many tea leaves here. Like you get the airlines, again, fuel costs all lower in guidance. But, you know, new core here, nobody's talking about that. It's not even getting one mention here on CNBC. Uh, maybe it's because Pretty it's well. a darling. But, I mean, it, it eventually you would hope it gets a mention here. But, you know, cutting guidance, I just feel like we, I feel like the good times, like as good as it was for the last few months in the first half of 2023, are going to slow down. I don't think the good times are over, but I think the consumer is starting to get crunched. I do think it's coming. I do think the second half of the last quarter of this year is going to be a little more challenging, at least from the economic perspective. That may not translate into stock losses because it seems like this market has just got its bull hat on and FOMO is running running rampant still, and that's what's keeping stocks elevated. But if you're reading like what's going on around here, the economy appears like it could slow down a little bit, and that shouldn't be good for stocks. Uh, I'm just going to beat a dead horse with this. And if you were planning on sticking with the Tradium Axiom, you know, sell Rosh Hashanah and buy Yom Kippur, uh, you got a, you got a nice sell. I mean, we almost got up to last week's high. We've kind of been in the trading range. So I'm just going to be keeping it important. Right now, the onus is on the bulls after the last two days is to get back to the unchanged on the session. And that's uh 45, 55, um, if they can establish a bid over that, take out the pre-market high, why not challenge yesterday's high? But right now, it looks like the Bears are just coming out of their the game. Bears. Just, uh, the Bears. And uh, no great support in here. If you're looking for me for support, man, yesterday's inner day low is down another 20 handles. That's all I got for you. Lions going to win this weekend? Yeah, I thought CeCe was talking about that particular team when he mentioned teams that had a far-out look for the Super Bowl but could get a couple of wins and turn that odds around. We'll find out if the Lions win. I say they win this weekend also. They destroy the Seahawks. Seahawks looked horrible la uh, last week. They did. They and lost it's in to Detroit. the Rams. We're pumped. It's in Detroit. I mean, Sunday, 1 o'clock, kickoff, be there. Go deep. Go D. All right, I'm going to get Joel O'Connor Dennis Dick. You guys check him out at Spoos, at Triple D Trader. Now to get you guys over to live trading, that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere, team. And I want you guys to check out the Future of Digital Events Conference. Of course, this is going down November 14th in New York City. So all my New York fans or anybody that just wants an excuse to get out to New York, well, you have one now. Here's the link so you guys can sign up and check out the future of digital assets.